0: Welcome to The Give Back. I'm your host, Dr. Dora Barilla, community health investment leader at Providence. We believe passion is at the heart of giving. That's why Providence contributes 1.5 billion to improving our community's health each year. The Give Back is a show about the ways Providence cares for its communities. We'll also discuss disparities facing our communities and how we're working to help people to live their healthiest lives. There are so many worthy causes out there, and many people who care. By listening to The Give Back, I hope you'll be inspired with new ideas to make a difference in your community. Share your ideas with us on social media at Providence Health System using the hashtag The Give Back. But before we start, I want to remind listeners that the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment okay ready to hear some pretty amazing stories let's get started hello and welcome to our live broadcast today we'll be highlighting providence st joseph's health annual report to our communities and our community health initiatives i'm Nora barilla our group vice president for community health investment at providence Joining me today in this live event, I have Dana Codron, our Regional Director for Community Health Investment in Northern California, and Martha Shanahan, our Leader for Community Health Investment in Humboldt County, located in Northern California. We are pleased to share our annual report showcasing our partnerships and commitments to the health of our communities. This report highlights how we give back and invest in vital conditions addressing health inequities. Our latest report focuses on our efforts over the past year, and we will also share today with you how we're building on those foundational investments to address the emerging needs over the past few months. So let's begin. Good morning, Dana and Martha. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your roles within Providence.
1: Sure, sure. Well, um, as Dora mentioned, my name is Dana Codron, and I am the Regional Director for Community Health Investment, also known as Community Benefit, um, in Northern California uh, for Providence St. Joseph Health. Um, My background originally is in nursing. That was a long time ago, uh, working in the walls of the hospital, probably over 35 years ago. Um, but always with the same organization um, with the uh, commitment to serving um, those most vulnerable in our communities. And my passion and calling drew me into um, home health and then later into community and public health where we are right now. Yeah,
2: and um, so my name is Martha Shanahan and my role is as manager for community health investment for our two ministries in Humboldt County. That's St. Joseph Hospital in Eureka, and Redwood Memorial Hospital in Fortuna. Um, And I've worked for Providence St. Joseph Health for about eight years in this role. Um, And prior to that, I have about a 15-year experience working in public health. Um, I started my career in Washington State in the Seattle area, working for the Public Health Department in Seattle and also for the University of Washington, primarily in the realms of public health nutrition. Um, But in my role in uh, Humboldt County, um, I get to um, provide support to community health investment programs that are working directly with vulnerable populations in our community and also work to foster partnerships to help to correct some of the
0: health inequities that we see in our community. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Wonderful, thank you, Dana and Martha. We're so glad that you, you were able to join us and able to share some of the great work over this past year. Dana, can you share a little bit how Northern California chose the focus areas in 2019? And maybe describe to our listeners what the Community Health Needs Assessment is and how we use it to invest in our communities.
1: Absolutely, Dora. So our Community Health Needs Assessment, also known as a CHNA, is a comprehensive assessment of the communities where we serve. And it's conducted every three years. And in fact, 2020 is a CHNA year for us. So we're in the, in the midst of a needs assessment as we speak. And we use evidence-based framework, including sophisticated data analysis um, that allows us, for example, GIS mapping at the block group level for indicators um, related to health and social determinants of health. It's a very data-driven process but also at the same time it's deeply rooted in our mission and we see it as really a sacred process integral to um, the legacy and heritage of our founding sisters to serve um, the poor and vulnerable. So just briefly our approach involves uh, data from a variety of methods and sources. Um, We have primary and secondary data that we collect and analyze and Martha is going to go into the details of that. But we also analyze internal data around um, utilization. So we're looking at those avoidable emergency emergency room visits and you know other prevention quality indicators. Um, so for example, um, do we have a number, a high number of emergency room visits related to diabetes or asthma? And if we see that in our local communities, then we can dig deeper into um, evaluating the root cause of that problem and perhaps plan some um, community level or upstream response and prevention efforts, then that becomes part of our strategic plan to address these needs. Um, um, We are able to pull mapping and demographics um, down to the block group level by ethnicity and age groups, by housing burden um, block group, publicly available geocoded data. Um, We use certain platforms um, that can pull any of 500 patient attributes and filter, um, for example, by um, population of interest. So demographics are filtered by behavioral health conditions, chronic conditions, and social needs such as housing um, or um, 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 SNAP benefits. Um, So we have a a, a fabulous um, analytical uh, process at our fingertips, but we also um, are careful in leaning into our community to really listen um, to what it is they are seeing that the needs are.
0: Oh, thank you, Dana. I, you know, it's just always it's just so affirming to hear, uh, you know, that the community health needs assessment is the, that sacred process really grounded in our heritage and using our advanced analytics with just really listening to our communities. So um, thank you for sharing the, a little bit of the overview of that. Now, Martha, Dana talked a little bit about community level data. Can you talk how how is that driving our decisions and how do we ensure that we're including the voices of our most vulnerable populations? Yeah, well, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable, the sophistication
2: of the data analytics that we have today Um, in it. And it's it's also really important to remember that we balance that with listening to the voices of the people that we serve. And so how do we do both? Um, the community level data that we look at, and another way another way that that's typically described is population health level data. So instead of looking at you know, one person's individual health outcomes, we're looking at groups of people. And so that can be an entire county, Napa County, Sonoma County, Humboldt County. And as Dana mentioned, we can drill down to a census track level or a zip code level, so we can really see um, groups that are um, significant within our community to see how what is affecting their health. And when we're we're talking about health, we talk about we're talking about a broad definition of health. It's not just about um, the absence of morbidity or mortality, but it's also all those social determinants of health, things like education, access to jobs, stable housing. And so those are some of the community level indicators that we look at. In the current needs assessment that that Dana mentioned that we're doing, um, for example, we're looking at life expectancy at birth as as an indicator for um, overall health. We're looking at educational attainment, so high school graduation rates, Um, And we also are looking at the percentage of households that are at or below 200% of the federal poverty level. Because we know that um, the presence of poverty is directly correlated with um, health outcomes. Um, And so then we can take all that information and we can put it on a map and we can see areas that pop up of higher needs within our counties. So we have more information about, about how we can intervene. Um, another important community level indicator is housing cost burden. Um, it, typically, thirty people should pay 30% of their income towards rent or mortgage, um, so they have uh, enough funds left over to pay for other things that you need, food, utilities, transportation, and maybe even be able to set a little money aside for savings. But we know in our service areas and a lot of our communities, um, you know, 50-60% of the population is paying more than 50% of their monthly income towards rent. And, and that doesn't leave very much money left over for the other things that you need to stay healthy. Um, we also look at indicators like from our schools. Uh, free and what are more free and reduced price lunch um, enrollments like? And how many people are enrolled in the CalFresh program in the state of California? Um, So, you know, really all these things kind of give us a community level snapshot of the health um, in in our service areas. But in addition to that, we really want to stay in touch with um, the people that we're serving um, and and hear directly from people who have unmet health needs to find out um, what they're experiencing. So in all of our service areas in Northern California, we all have uh, programs that directly serve people with unmet health needs. And we're in constant communication with folks in our community to really understand and to listen to what their day-to-day experience is like. And when things like a pandemic happen, we're able to know pretty quickly what the needs are. And so we're able to work with partners and respond right away.
0: Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Thank you, Martha, for really seeing how public health data has evolved over the years and how we can use that data to really drive our action it is just really um, exciting to see. And we're so glad that you're able to have that level of analytics. Now, Dana, um, Martha talked a lot about the unmet needs of our vulnerable populations. Can you share a little bit um, how St. Joseph Health in Northern California um, helps hopes to address each one of those?
1: Sure, uh, uh, Dora. So um, across our region um, with our current, uh, our, our current needs assessment, we've identified uh, a few uh, priorities that we're looking at. These are our priority needs that we established three years ago. Um, and one is um, homelessness and housing um, instability or stability. Um, the other one is mental health and substance use disorder. And then another one is access to care, not just health care, but access to benefits, access to resources and basic needs. Um, a one, one that rose to the top, particularly in Humboldt, was um, food security. So those are the areas that we worked have worked on over the past three years. And part of our strategy is um, understanding um that um, hospitals can't do this alone. We need to engage with our community partners. And especially in areas where we don't have that subject matter expertise, such as housing. Um, Although Providence does have a a housing division that has been fabulous at assisting us in these efforts. Um, So we've established strong relationships with our community partners, um, and and this is really uh, critical. Um, We leverage our resources to meet needs in a number of ways. And Martha touched on them. But one way is to provide conditioned donations to our nonprofit community partners. And this is when people think of community benefit. Often what jumps to their mind is, oh, we make grants or contributions to the communities. But these are not willy-nilly grants into our communities. These are very strategic and they're restricted specifically to meet an identified need in our uh, communities. And they allow us to leverage our dollars and our resources to increase capacity in existing services, for example, increase capacity for mental health services or substance use services. It also can be used to seed new services that we need within the region. Um, One example is um, 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 launching, respite programs or what we call recuperative care respite programs across our region for patients that are homeless in a hospital and discharging and really uh, do not need to stay in hospital but um, are a little bit too vulnerable to discharge back to their um, prior living situation which could be on the street or even in a shelter where they have to be outside the shelter during the daytime. So we have um, invested in what we call um, respite programs across our region in Sonoma and Napa County, those are partnerships primarily with Catholic charities, and in Humboldt County with um, private foundations and, and organizations that provide the same services. So we have um, um, invested our, our our donations strategically to meet an identified need. Another way is, as Martha mentioned, is to provide services directly, and we do that across our region. Um, we have a number of um, programs that um, deploy registered nurses, social workers, community health workers, promotors, dentists, um, behavioral health, we have um, addiction counselors. Um, So uh, it really varies in community to community, um, local to the identified needs. One program that I'll pull to the surface because it is across our region and it has tremendous impact um, across our, our ministries is a program called the Care Network. And this consists of teams of nurses, social workers, and community health workers um, that provide complex um, community-based care management. So these are persons who are often homeless or um, are um, unstably housed. They often have significant mental health and addiction issues um, or um, multiple chronic conditions compounded by really... Um, significant socioeconomic issues. So intensive um, care and and complex care is what we call this. And um, we help these um, individuals to engage in medical care, um, secure their basic needs such as food and shelter. We um, assist them to apply and and, um, complete applications to receive benefits that include income as well as um, food and shelter. And we really are able to change the healthcare and quality of life trajectory for those we serve. Um, And that we see an improvement in health indicators, we see an improvement in well being and reported quality of life, and we see an overall reduction in emergency room visits and hospitalizations after enrollment in our programs. So, this is really at the heart of our mission. It addresses all of the priorities that I mentioned above, um, and it also reduces the healthcare burden associated with avoidable utilization for these really high-risk populations. And lastly, um, we also have a a long track record of pooling in grant funding and um, contracts that then we infuse back into our communities um, to help bridge gaps and and meet needs. Uh, And so we're fortunate to have grant funding support from the Wellbeing Trust, from our St. Joseph Health Community Partnership Fund, just to name a few. We also have contracts with Managed Medicaid, and county public health, um, whole person care um, for some of the services that we deliver in our communities.
0: Yeah, that sounds like you've built a long time trusted community uh, partnerships, Dana, that you, you're able to make those impacts. So thank you for sharing. Now, Martha, you and Dana both talked a little bit about upstream. Um, could you share a little bit with our listeners what that means and, and how you're able to address you know some immediate needs while also addressing some prevention um, for the long run.
2: Yeah, yeah. Good question, Dora. Um, in, In the public health world, the phrase upstream interventions has become quite popular. And there's a, there's a story that we tell in public health or a parable about a river. So um, it goes something like this. Um, there's two people who decide to go fishing um, in a river one day and, and as they're fishing, um, they see someone floating in the river, floating down river, struggling to keep their head above water. Um, and so the two people respond to this person right away to try to um, jump in the river, Prevent them from drowning, pull them safely to shore, so they're they're able to do that. Um, but before they're able to return to their their activity of fishing, here comes another person floating down river, struggling, trying not to drown. So they immediately turn their attention to save that person and rescue that person. Yet here comes another person and another person, and so people hear their cries for help, and and more people rush to come help and pull people out of the river to safety and to prevent them from drowning. And while all this is going on, there's a bystander that decides to walk upriver to try to find out why people are falling in the river in the first place. And so that's really what we mean by upstream interventions It's trying to ask the question of why are we experiencing these poor health outcomes in our communities and what's the root cause and can we move upstream? Can we go see why people are falling in the river in the first place and try to prevent that from happening so we aren't faced with a crisis situation where there's too many people in the river and we don't have enough resources or capacity to save them all. Um, And so that's really when we turn our attention to primary prevention and if we, Primary prevention is really about keeping people healthy in the first place and preventing poor health outcomes and preventing disease. Um, because we know if though if if that can happen, then we create the conditions in our communities where everyone can live a healthy life and everyone can thrive. Um, but really what we think about um, at Providence St. Joseph Health and in community health investment is how do we do both at the same time? Mm-hmm.
0: Because we know
2: that there are people in our communities right now who are suffering, who are in that river and drowning, mm-hmm. and, and and we really are called to respond. We need to respond. Um, but at the same time, we know that if we don't try to prevent the reasons that um, people are suffering, that we're gonna to continue to be in the same situation over and over again of just crisis intervention and trying to save people from drowning. So how do we do both at the same time? One example of, of how we've done that in, in Humboldt County is um, in the realm of addiction. We know that, people, that we have high rates of addiction in Humboldt County as do many communities across California and across our nation with the opioid epidemic. And um, we've invested heavily in um, a treatment and recovery center called Waterfront Recovery Services. Um, We know that people are suffering. We know that people want help with their addictions, whether it's alcohol or drugs. And um, and often they're told they have to wait uh, for a bed to open up or for funding to become available. So we've invested with Waterfront Recovery Services to try to increase capacity for, for Um, addiction treatment and recovery in Humboldt. At the same time, we know we have to ask, um, what are the root causes of of, of those addictions? Why are people suffering in the first place? And often when we ask why enough times, it, it leads back to some sort of trauma. And primarily early childhood trauma is often common. And so we know that we need to Um, invest dollars and resources in trying to support children, especially in those first years of life and around um, the perinatal period around pregnancy. Um, So what that looks like can, that, that looks like, supporting parents who are raising young children so they can um, raise healthy kids and have the resources and tools that they need. It's supporting early childhood education and that kind of zero to five-year-old age group. So when kids come to school in kindergarten, they're ready to learn. And you're not trying to, at that point, correct things that happened in the first five years of life. And so really it's a balancing act and um and and we have to figure out ways and strategies to be able to respond to the immediate crisis at hand but also focus on primary prevention and, and creating the conditions in our communities where everyone can be healthy yeah
0: thank you for sharing that i think a, a lot of the times we hear that term and that just really brings it to light martha what we're, what we're doing so let's. You know, we've talked a lot about our investments for last year, and bring us to uh, June 2020. And I don't know about you guys, but it often feels like uh, 2019 was a lifetime ago, with all the changes that have happened in our communities. So, Dana, as you know, as we you know look at moving forward. And, you know, you guys clearly have known about the health inequities in our communities for a long time. And it's, you know, no surprise to any of you, and, you know, and, and us beginning to address it. So now we add COVID-19, and a lot of the civil unrest, how do we turn, you know, really a disruptive moment, into a generative moment that really includes longer-term solutions addressing many of the root causes that you're talking about, Martha, to make sure that we're really impacting our communities for the long haul.
1: Yes, um, uh, um, uh, such an important question and something that um, we're in the midst of, as we all know right now, you know, in light of COVID, our, our work to serve the poor and vulnerable has multiplied dramatically mm-hmm. because we are seeing an influx or a surge of people, you know, waiting in infinite lines for food, unable to make rent. Um, we have people who never thought that they would find themselves in these situations um, experiencing um, uh, a lack of basic needs. Uh, so so this work is... is um, um, urgent at this point, and we have to act at the moment, but we also have to look at the do- long-term, Dora, as you said. Mm-hmm. We've known for decades that health inequities exist. Um, you know that public health mantra that your zip code is more predictive of your health than your genetic code. Um, um, we know that people of color have shorter lifespans than our, uh, than with their white counterparts, in fact, by decades. And in our region, even we see uh, the Latinx population compromises anywhere from 55 to 75% of the COVID positive cases. So um, we have these um, health inequities across our nation and in our local communities as well. Um, the pandemic has also catapulted care and processes that have been in the works for decades. I uh, It feels like we've been trying to launch telehealth for so long mm-hmm. and suddenly with the pandemic, um, you know, the, the bureaucracy and um, barriers to telehealth were removed so that we could do it and do it quickly. Um, you know, we also housed the homeless um, in shelters and provided protection and and surveillance. Um, you know, it's it's an opportunity for the public and private sector um, working together um, to bridge gaps in the communities. We don't want to lose ground here, um, so we are working diligently to sustain and galvanize these silver linings, if you will. Um, of the pandemic. Um, One way that we do this really in our region is we're working very closely with our government relations team um, to sustain these gains. And this is another example of when it's good to be both big and small, we are part of the, one of the largest Catholic healthcare systems in the country, and yet in our individual communities, we are very small and leaning into our communities and our partners. And so in this way, we're working closely with local um, um, public policy as well as um, statewide to um, galvanize some of these um, systems and structures that promote social justice and health equity.
0: Thank you, Dana. That's that's really insightful in terms of, you know, addressing the immediate need and really building towards the future, which is really going to be so key um, that we all lean in to this this moment in time and history. Now, Martha, can you share a, just a few of your favorite stories that highlight the difference that you're making in Northern California?
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. There's so many great stories. Um, Dana mentioned earlier the, the care network, and the story that comes to mind is from our care network team in Humboldt, um, and it kind of illustrates the way that they work. And you know, Dana said it's a it's a team of a nurse, a social worker, and a community health worker that provide intensive community-based case management for um, people that are experiencing homelessness shortly after hospitalization. So this story is, and I'll use the name Johnny. Um, but he was, he's a fellow that um, was in his fifties, chronically homeless for about 20 years, had compounding, um, health conditions that were deteriorating and getting worse with age in addition to um, um, issues with uh, substance use. So his story in 2016, he had um, about 15 visits to the emergency room. In 2017, that jumped to 39 visits to the emergency room plus nine hospitalizations. So you can kind of see how the health is declining. In 2018, there were, halfway through the year, there were 23 emergency room visits and then a really pivotal stay in our intensive care unit at St. Joseph Hospital, the ICU. Um, It was during that kind of pivotal stay at the ICU that our care network team intervened. And the nurse met with the patient and talked about different options. The potential of going to our, our respite program that we partner with Betty Chin on. And one of those beds that Dana had mentioned that are set aside for kind of extra recuperative care after a hospitalization. And this time Johnny took us up on it and he was ready to engage. and so. Uh, From that point on, our Care Network team worked with him to make it to the follow-up appointments and then eventually get connected to housing. And by May 2019, um, Johnny moved into his own apartment. And ever since he's been stably housed, he's had zero visits to the emergency room and zero hospitalizations. And in addition to that he's also been able to do to take care of some um, get some treatment for some chronic health conditions that he was facing he even had a a knee replacement and got a full set of dentures and is still stably housed to this day so those are the type that's the type of story that when the timing is right when trust is built and developed and when there are these support services in place and community partners working together we can really um, take someone from a very um, kind of desperate situation full of despair and provide some hope for um, a healthy future.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. It just, it makes it real. You know, those, those investments that we shared um, when we started um, really bringing it down to that individual person, that that's really what it's all about is impacting our communities. Um, we're just about at time, but just want to give you guys one last opportunity. Is there any um, other wisdom or just incredible work that you guys would like to share with our listeners today?
1: Wow. Well, it's been a pleasure to be able to um, share uh with our larger community, uh, some of the work that we're doing and um, uh, how we are um, integral and integrated with um, um, providing healthcare and services in our communities and throughout our health system. I I, I would like to say that you know, Providence St. Joseph Health invests in community health investment. We, we, uh, we don't make money in our division. So um, these are dollars that are, um, are, are uh, set aside by policy um, to um, provide, allow us the resources to make these investments in community health. So I just feel blessed and fortunate to be um, part of um, this type of organization.
0: Yeah, I'd like to echo 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 that Dana, and thank you and Martha for the incredible work that you are doing, um, and just really thank you for joining us today, and to our listeners, um, to everyone for joining us and sending you know just your thoughts and and really sharing with us your incredible um, stories, and I think passion for serving our communities. To learn more about our initiatives, programs, and services, and how to support our partner, please visit at psjh.give.providence.org. If you're looking for help or medical advice, please visit providence.org. And make sure to follow us on social media under Providence on Twitter and at Providence Health System on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you again for joining us and have a blessed day.